Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I encourage you to seek the advice of a physician, a DO, or an MD with any concerns or questions you have about your symptoms or medical conditions. Hello everyone. With the new year coming up, I think that this topic is pretty timely. This is the time of year that people will be indulging in holiday festivities and often will have a more unhealthy diet than they usually have. But then come January, a lot of people across the country, across the globe, are going to want to make some changes and to either get back on track or they will want to start something brand new. So I think that in popular culture, there are a lot of different diets that are talked about. And I think when people go to see their doctor to ask them about what diet is is good for them, a lot of times doctors will say, well, the best diet is the one that you're going to stick with. And I don't really like that answer because it doesn't really provide anything of substance really. And I am of the persuasion that there are diets that could be dangerous and could lead to malnutrition and could really not yield the results that you actually want, whether it is just to be healthier, to lose weight, to lose fat in particular, to gain muscle. There's a lot to consider. And I think that, yeah, some diets are better than others. So I have worked with patients and a lot of patients, especially in the primary care specialties, will come in and they will even ask me as the medical student what I think of this diet or that diet and what I would recommend. And obviously, I defer to the physician that I'm working with, but I often will know the type of things that the physician I'm working with is going to recommend, and I can talk to them and take my time with them a little bit more than the doctor might when they come in. So a lot of doctors that I've worked with really love the Mediterranean diet, so it's one that I feel really comfortable to recommend to patients, but there certainly are other diets out there that I'm going to discuss in this episode, but just to give you a little bit more substance than you might get in the five to ten minutes that you see with your doctor because I don't know if they have enough time to really go over the pros and cons of different diets. So I am 
going to start out talking about more of the foundations of what makes a good diet. So first of all, I'll say that I don't really like the word diet because of its connotation with it being a regimen that you go on for a few weeks at a time in order to get the results that you want and the results pretty fast and then you go back to whatever lifestyle you had before going on said diet. So I think that is not conducive with actual long-term change and actual health. I think a good diet should be something that you can make changes to your life and those changes can stick and you can really be on that diet forever. And if you can't be on that diet forever, it's probably not a good diet. Any diet that completely takes away any food, any food that is off limits is not going to be a diet that is conducive to being on it long term because that's just unrealistic that you are not going to have cake for the rest of your life. Also, a good diet does not take away entire food groups, especially convincing you to limit the amount of fruits and vegetables that you eat. I think that's not going to be a good diet. Any diet, especially that limits your amount of vegetable intake, is a red flag in my view. Additionally, I think a good diet is going to be one that encourages whole foods over processed foods. So if there's any diet that requires you to buy their products that are processed food, whether that's uh, meal bars or pre-made frozen meals, then I don't think that is going to be the best diet. Of course, there are diets out there that are kind of a mix, that they have some rules for the diet, and then they also they also make processed goods, kind of like the Atkins diet, so the Atkins diet you can follow without buying those Atkins bars, but those Atkins bars can be used with the diet. I think that's that's fine. Another example of this is Weight Watchers. So Weight Watchers, you can completely follow Weight Watchers fine without buying their products, but they do have frozen meals that they have in stores. That's fine too. But any diet that requires you to make this big purchase and give the company a lot of money is probably not a good diet because you're not going to do that in the long term. I'm going to start out first with the keto diet because I think this one has gotten a lot of attention over the last few years. So the keto diet is focused on having high fat intake, a medium protein intake, and low carb intake. And this actually arose from being a diet that really helped children with epilepsy and they know that from the diet it forces your body to burn fats instead of using carbohydrates so it was thought that this would be a really good way to burn fat and so instead of having glucose around for energy which is actually the form of energy that your body prefers to use it forces your your body your liver actually to convert fat into fatty acids and ketone bodies that is why the diet is called the keto diet 
And this ketosis is very therapeutic for people that suffer from epileptic seizures. It's thought that this diet would especially help patients who have diabetes and who have problems with having high carbohydrates in their diet. But it is not without its problems, certainly. It can cause constipation, it can cause acidosis, because the ketone bodies are acidic compounds. Uh, it can cause hypoglycemia, which especially if you're on diabetic treatment, you're already predisposed to. And then the diet can also increase your levels of lipids and cholesterol significantly. And to meet your needs for micronutrients, since vegetables and fruits have carbohydrates in them, they are often avoided in replacement of usually meat. So often you will have dietary deficiency of a lot of micronutrients. So with this diet, you really do have to supplement because you're not getting any of that from your diet. Long-term use can even cause some bone fractures, kidney stones. So on the whole, the, the big takeaway of this diet is that it's really only proven to be efficacious in children with epilepsy. And it is not encouraged by most physicians to be used for anything like weight loss. So anything that you would consider to be a fad diet is not going to be a good diet for you, especially because of the reasons that I discussed already, that it's something that you only go on for a few weeks or a few months and then you go back to normal. That's not a good diet. And I think most of you who are listening now, you know what healthy is. You know that it's about whole grains, fruits and vegetables, decreasing the amount of processed foods, of saturated fats, of of snacky food, decreasing the amount of sugar in your diet. You know what healthy is. It's just not as glamorous as, as some of like some of these diets are and it takes a lot of work in order to do meal planning and to have all things in moderation when it comes to your favorite foods that now you think that you have to give up entirely. So the fad diets that I would avoid are especially really low-calorie diets. Uh, one that comes to mind is the cabbage soup diet, if you've ever heard of that. I, I would also avoid any liquid diets. Uh, the, there's a uh, maple syrup lemonade diet <clears throat> that I think uh, Beyonce was famous for saying that she used that diet to lose weight. And then any other uh, meal replacement, uh, like Slim Fast, uh, anything that requires you to give up food and drink some kind of juice or some kind of protein shake, those are not going to be good diets. A few kind of name brand diets that I think might be okay. Uh, one is the Atkins diet. So this is... This is often compared to the keto diet, but it's a bit different. So this one really emphasizes high protein, which will fill you up pretty fast, and having low carbohydrates. So especially especially avoiding sugar and white bread, white pasta. And the only thing about the Atkins diet that I would caution against is that it 
has phases to it. And the the first phase of Atkins diet is extremely restrictive, but it slowly adds things back into your diet into the last phase that's supposed to be a maintenance phase that you follow for the rest of your life. So it is one of those brand name diets that are rare in that they they actually want people to be on it long term and they don't they don't promise those fast results even though uh they they do say that a lot of their a lot of the people that abide by Atkins lose a lot of weight in the first few phases but I would definitely look at the principles of the last phase which then incorporates back especially fruit and whole grains it works because a high protein diet is going to leave you fuller so it's not as much a extremely high fat diet like keto would be so it focuses a little bit more on lean meats and not as much on loading everything with butter like the keto diet is and the atkins diet does allow some carbohydrates but it focuses on limiting the amount of carbohydrates which can really help people that have insulin resistance or diabetes. And another one, the name brand that I would consider is Weight Watchers. And I I like Weight Watchers. This is not an ad or anything. I'm not being paid by anyone for this. Weight Watchers does really encourage practicing moderation. That nothing is off limits, but certain things will carry more points so you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to include and what you have to let go of in a typical day and they also have like a ton of recipes and even their frozen meals are okay it really encourages people when they are on the program to look more at using whole foods and it's a really good in between if you had a really bad diet before and now you can transition via Weight Watchers into more of a healthier diet and then you don't have to be on it necessarily forever but you have a little bit more mindfulness about what is healthy and what is not healthy based off of how many points they were. So on the whole I would say that you should look out for red flags of different diets so if they're promising rapid weight loss anything more than two pounds a week that is an example of something that is too good to be true and it is probably not going to be that successful and if you know someone that has said that they did lose that much weight uh, per week, more than two pounds per week, then it was most likely water weight. It's really hard to lose two pounds of fat in a week. So it was probably water weight or your glycogen stores that is the reason why weight can deviate day to day. Uh, it's not pure weight loss and weight gain, it's just some fluctuation. Anything that talks about detoxing or burning fat, I would stay away from. And anything that uh, comes with some testimonials instead of actual evidence, I would also stay away from that too. There's no evidence that it 
was actually from the diet or if it was in such a short time span as they're claiming. So I would just say be cautious with that. So next I wanted to talk about the vegetarian diet and vegan diet. So vegetarian means that you do not eat meat. A lot of times vegetarians, it will be what is considered lacto-avo, which means that you are plant-based, but you still eat eggs and dairy products. You just don't eat meat or seafood. If you do eat seafood, then you would be referred to a pescatarian if you don't eat meat, but you do eat seafood. There's also the lacto-vegetarian, which means no eggs either, and then the avo-vegetarian, that's no dairy products. But typically, you will be a lacto-avo-vegetarian or a pescatarian. Those are the most common. And then vegan is when you do not have dairy products or eggs. So it's a vegetarian, no meat or seafood, that also doesn't eat eggs or dairy products. So it's completely plant-based. They will often also avoid things like honey, any byproducts from animals they will avoid. And a raw vegan, I would say, is an unhealthy subtype in that you have to consume all of your food raw. And I think that is just extreme deprivation that has no health benefit whatsoever. And then a fruitarian is a a vegan who only eats fruits and seeds and nuts. So they actually avoid vegetables or grains. So this one I would also say is extremely unhealthy because you are really limiting yourself very much to fruits, seeds, and nuts. You will not get as much nutrition as you should. Um, so vegetarians make up about 5% of the, of the population, and I'm actually a vegetarian myself. So this is a, a diet that I may deviate from some of my fellow medical students and also physicians on, is that I think a vegetarian can really follow a completely healthy diet but they have to really be more mindful than a typical person would be because they have to focus a little bit more on sources of protein. And I am a lacto-avo vegetarian, so I do eat eggs every morning and I eat a lot of dairy products like yogurt and I drink milk. So Protein and calcium are really not a huge issues. Also, if you're a vegetarian who really loves tofu and soy products, uh, beans, lentils, then it really isn't an issue at all. I think I actually get more protein than a lot of my friends and family members who aren't as mindful about their diet. So what are the, the positives of a uh, vegetarian diet? If you are a good vegetarian who is mindful of this, I think a lot of vegetarians just eat mac and cheese all day and potato chips. So that obviously isn't healthy, but most vegetarians and vegans will really emphasize a lot of fruits and vegetables in their diet. So they have a lot of fiber intake, they have a lot of folic acid intake, a lot of antioxidants, a lot of micronutrients in general. And their diet is also, they tend to be lower in calories, and vegetarians and vegans tend to have a lower BMI than the overall population. Of course, there are obese vegans out there, 
but certainly overall the picture is that they tend to be at a normal BMI. And they they also have uh, lower lipids in their diet, so lower triglycerides, fat, and cholesterol because the major source of that in the Western diet is from meat. Vegetarians and vegans have a lower risk of cancer in general. They have a lower risk of hypertension, high blood pressure. They also have a lower risk of stroke, of heart disease, and of type 2 diabetes. So a lot of benefits to it, um, but there definitely are uh, some some downsides if you're not being fully conscious of your diet. Vegetarians and vegans are prone to iron deficiency because the major source of that is from meat. So vegetarians and vegans have to incorporate more of those dark green leafy vegetables or supplement with iron. They might be prone to vitamin B12 deficiency because the major sources of that are from meat. But vegetarians, that isn't too much of a problem because you can also get it from eggs and dairy products. Calcium deficiency, that's especially in the vegan diet if they are avoiding dairy products, but you can also get calcium from dark green leafy vegetables or supplement it. And then omega-3s is something that I have to be mindful of personally uh, because the major source of that is from meat. So that's why I have eggs every morning, uh, but other sources can include nuts, chia seeds, and things like seaweed and kelp, uh, different sea vegetables. A lot of vegetarians and vegans also supplement that as well. And then vitamin D a major source is egg yolks, so vegetarians can get this pretty easily, but vegans really do have to supplement with vitamin D. And then protein, again, what is really important is incorporating more soy products, legumes, dairy products, and eggs if you're vegetarian. So I wanted to talk about my favorite diet to recommend, which I mentioned already, it's the Mediterranean diet. So why I like this one is because it really focuses on whole foods. It encourages fruits and vegetables, beans, nuts, whole grains. And then if you're going to eat meat, if you're not a vegetarian or vegan, then it supports more seafood intake than, than red meats. Also discourages having sugar in your diet and doesn't really ban anything but looks at certain certain groups of food as something that you should have in moderation also supports intake of healthy fats so not as much fried foods but more using olive oil and more of those nuts and seeds and kind of cooking with more spices as well so that's what I usually recommend. And it's been proven to be really helpful with treating and preventing diabetes. It has been shown to reduce risk of cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer in the United States. It's associated with a decreased risk of type 2 diabetes. It also uh, decreases your risk of dying from cancer. It can help with weight loss. It's associated with better cognitive performance, and it also is 
correlated with a lower risk of depression. So all around really healthy. The other diet that I would recommend for some people is kind of similar. It's called the DASH diet. And this one is specifically geared towards helping people lower their high blood pressure. It focuses on vegetables, fruits, whole grains, but with a greater emphasis on more fat-free or low-fat products. Also emphasizes uh, fish and more poultry over red meats, a lot of beans and nuts, and it is really geared towards uh, being heart healthy and also limits uh, sugar as well. So I think that very similar to the Mediterranean diet, but it's specifically with the goal of helping people with high blood pressure. So if you're listening to this episode as it's coming out, the uh, new year is around the corner, but even if you're listening to this episode um, in the future, really there's never the perfect time to start a new habit, start a new diet, and make some changes in your life. So I would say whether it's the new year or whether it's just making changes this week as you're listening to this episode, I really do encourage you that the changes that you make should be long-lasting changes. And I think it is more helpful to have the vision that it's going to make you healthier overall, kind of focusing on that decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, decreased risk of type 2 diabetes, or helping to manage those conditions better. I would focus on that a lot more than the potential weight loss that you have getting your bikini body for the summer. I would also uh, encourage you to be patient because long-lasting weight loss to lose weight and keep it off is going to be a long process, but it is all the more worth it because when you do take your time with it, it's going to stick, especially if the changes you made are really changing your habits and not just following these rules for a certain amount of time. So I would say if you do have a weight loss goal to keep it at about one to two pounds a week and you should weigh yourself once a week at the same time and same day of the week and that is the number that you will use. I really don't encourage weighing yourself every day because there's so much variation, like I said, with water weight and glycogen stores. So I know we also talked a lot about diet in this episode, but I think having the goal of exercise along diet is also makes a huge difference because it helps you maintain your weight. So once you're losing weight to maintain that weight loss, exercise is really important. And also exercise has its own benefits for preventing or treating diabetes and also reducing cardiovascular risk. So they kind of go hand in hand. If you are focusing on goal setting or focusing on New Year's resolutions, then it kind of helps to start slow and increase as you go. So make small changes, make very specific goals. Maybe it's just 
changing what you eat for breakfast or it is limiting what foods you can eat after dinner um, so you're not snacking late at night. Small things like that go a long way. But if you are looking for a diet to follow, I probably would direct you towards the Mediterranean diet and I also will never discourage someone away from the vegetarian diet, but I think it is not for everyone. I think you really do have to be pretty health conscious and really mindful of what you're eating and what supplements you use and things like that. I hope this episode was helpful for you to kind of go through some of the popular diets and to hopefully clear up some misconceptions and encourage you to make some changes that will last a while instead of just following these fad diets that we hear a lot about. I wish you the best of luck with changing your diet and getting healthier. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.